What is up, guys? Back with another episode of Custom League Blues. I'm your host, Jay Shaw. Let's get right into the action. So the end of the season is pretty much here. We only have one game left between the Padres and the Mets, and that most likely will be simmed out due to the fact that it will be very hard for the Mets to take that playoff spot based off the tiebreaker if they did win, and the Padres would be very hard for them to take first place even if they did get a win due to the tiebreaker situation. So in today's episode, what am I going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about end of the season, where do teams stand? We're going to talk about MVPs from each team. And then, guys, I think that should be MVPs as a whole. Uh, we'll probably do a little Cy Young action, too, for the pitchers and probably reliever of the year as well. So this could be a long episode, could be short, but just sit back and relax. I'm hoping to get to someone within a half hour. So we're going to start here with the uh, final standings. The Rays finished the year 17-7. and They've been done for a while. you got to wonder, will that long rest factor into a tough time in the playoffs? Sometimes teams over-rest, and it's really hard for them to do anything with it. The Tampa Bay Rays scored 113 runs on the year, and the tiebreaker this year is off runs scored. I know, I know, some of you guys don't like that. I know some of you think head-to-head, but it's just what it is. It's the league. It's the commissioner. Uh, that's just what we have it as. So the Rays scored 113 runs, 17 and 7. They ended the year with a 336 average, 631 slugging, 372 on base, 992 fielding, 535 ERA. Pretty good year for the Rays overall. ERA was a little high, but you'll see for this league, 535 is actually not bad at all. San Diego Padres finished the year uh, 16 and 7. Most likely we're going to sim out the game. It's not going to matter. They had a 320 average, 550 slugging, 363 on base. 989 fielding, 504 ERA. So where they made up some mistakes in the field, 989, not the best, not bad. They made up in pitching with a 504 ERA and a 320 average. Pretty good for the, uh, the Padres. They scored 97 runs on the year. Probably won't catch the Rays at 113. The Angels finished the year in third place. They had quite a revival starting the year on a bad foot. They took two or three from the Nationals to put themselves in a good spot in the playoff race. The last game they played was a tight one. Nationals took game one, I believe it was 10 to four. The Angels blanked the net. They smacked the Nationals the second game. I think it was five to one or something. And then the third game was a one nothing pitcher's duel between the Nationals and Angels. Both owners agreed it was probably the best game all year pitching wise between two teams. There wasn't even a lot of stars on the mound. It was Anibal Sanchez versus... Um, Andrew Heaney or something like that. And it was just it was just a lot of sinker action, a lot of splitter, a lot of ground balls, a lot of pop-ups. It was a great game overall. But the Angels finished the year 16-8, and eight, sitting pretty in that third spot. Looks like they're going to end up playing the Padres. That should be an interesting series. The Angels honestly excelled just in their run production, 106 runs. They had a 603 slugging. 317 average is okay. 358 on base. They do know how to get them on base. 993 fielding and a 593 ERA. Honestly, if the Angels want a shot at this title, they're going to have to figure out a way to get that ERA down a little bit. About half, about a .5, you know? Right now, the Rangers are in the fourth, and it's looking like the Rangers are going to stay in fourth due to their run production. I mean, no question, this team smacked the cover off the ball, 148 runs. That's about 30-something more than the next closest team. Um... The Rangers had a 336 average, but guess what? Their slugging was 762. That is unheard of. You, you're telling me you about you doubled your average in terms of slugging more than that? That's insane. On base was 364. So this team wasn't getting a lot of walks. They were swinging the bats. They knew it was good. <clears throat> Fielding was low, 987. ERI was 592. But again, this team didn't care about giving them runs because they could put the runs on the board just as well. 
The Rangers also ended the year on a four-game win streak to really solidify that four spot. So, congrats to the Rangers. They, they fucking had a great year, ending strong with four in a row. We go to the Mets now, and the Mets had quite a revival. They were sitting around 500 for the longest, but their last 10, they were 7-3. The new owner came in, did what he needed to do. Uh, um, the board wasn't happy with the old owner. New owner comes in, revives the team, and they got to be looking strong for next year. Uh, they got to be excited for what they uh, can do. This owner sees his potential. He's won seven of the last 10 for the team. He's been doing really well. He only had one bad loss the other day against the Nationals, and I think that was just due to a lack of pitching or, or concentration from the team. But they batted 333 with a 6.07 slugging, so they know how to put up runs. 3.68 on base, 9.87 fielding, a little low there, and a 6.08 ERA. It's clear that the Mets couldn't just do enough in terms of pitching to really get into that fourth spot. They gave up 104 runs, scored 105. Not a bad year, not great. Now we go to our two teams that you just kind of got to feel bad for. These two teams played really good ball, just couldn't get the close wins. They couldn't figure out a way to get the tight ones. And uh, so finishing in in sixth place, we do have the Washington Nationals ending the year 12-12. and 12. They scored 93 runs, but only gave up 88. So this team was not producing runs per se, but uh, their pitching was good. So we look at the stats here, 315 average. Not bad. 537 slugging. That's very on par with the Padres. And it just shows you. So the Padres had 320 average. Nationals 315. Padres slugging 550. Nationals 537. Padres on base 363. Nationals 341. Um, the, uh, Padres pitching 504. Nationals 540. So the Padres had just slightly better stats. Very slightly better stats in each category. And they're sitting in second place where the Nationals are sitting in, in, uh, in sixth. It just shows you that even the slightest increases in average and, and other stats really can change a season. Um, the Padres finishing probably 16 and 7, maybe 17 and 7, compared to the Nationals at 12 and 12, when the numbers are very eerily similar, and I've been saying that all year, it just shows how tight this, these games can be. How much different just, just slight tweaks in game management, a little bit of luck here and there, some bloop singles can really change. Speed on the base paths can really change a season. But the Nationals got to hang their head high. They finished the year 12 and 12. They went 6 and 4 in their last 10. They dropped the close one of the Angels. They could have finished uh, above 500, uh, barring that close 1 0 loss. Just a little bit of better run production there. But the Nationals got to hang their head high. They were second best in the league in pitching. Uh, you, you can't, and they were, they were the top team in fielding, uh, fielding 995. So the team wasn't terrible, but they just couldn't produce when they needed to. And then we go to the Twins, a team that was mashing the cover off the ball. 344 average, 650 slugging. 377 on base, uh, but the ERA is where it, it jumps out of you. 667. So and the Twins knew that they didn't like their pitching staff. The Twins have been talking about trading Barrios all year, but they couldn't get a deal done for him. Perhaps poor negotiating. Perhaps teams just weren't in the market for a starter at the time. But the Twins really needed some pitching help, and they couldn't address it. They end the year 500, but they mashed the cover off the ball. 126 run scores, but they could, they did give up 106 runs, and that would be the most in the league besides the two other teams that we send most of the games for. Um, so they gave up 106 runs, not good for them, but they did score 126. So that's what we're at right now. It's looking like it's going to be Tampa Bay versus Texas and San Diego versus, uh, Los Angeles <clears throat> coming up. So it'll be interesting playoffs. We have, we have a dominant pitching staff in the Padres going against an Angels team that can hit the ball pretty well. And we have two power teams in the Rays and the Rangers going at it. And, uh, 
we can't we can't forget that the Rays do have a really good relief staff. So with that quick rundown of where we stand coming playoff time, we're gonna dive right into the um, like my MVP from each team predictions or, or not predictions, but my personal MVPs from each team as well. We'll go into who I think, excuse me, should be in the MVP race for the year, things like that. So if we look at, we're gonna start with the Mets just because it's just what I have on my list. Let's look at their pitching staff. There's no one to me that really jumps out saying, hey, one of these pitchers should be potentially for pitcher of the year. The only guy I see is Charlie Morton, who threw 35.2 innings pitched, <clears throat> had a 4-1 record with a 3 ERA. That's pretty good. And in 35.2 innings pitched, he had 35 strikeouts. So he was producing pretty well. Started seven games, really carried the weight for the team. DeGrom did a good, had a good year too, but not quite the year Charlie Morton had. So Charlie Morton had a good year, but let's look at their hitting and see if there's anyone above Charlie Morton, I would say, as the team's MVP. Diving into the to the uh, hitting staff now. One guy that jumps off the plate to me has got to be Pete Alonso. 10 home runs, 20 RBIs, 6 doubles, 18 runs scored. And he had 75 plate appearances, so he does meet that criteria. For me personally, I'm doing... Uh, if In order to be in, co- in a conversation for the spot, you'd have to have 3 plate appearances... Uh, or three plate appearances like per game played. So you do 24 plus another 24, that's 48. And then you get to 72 plate appearances minimum uh, for me to be like, okay, this player has a, cha- has a real chance of being like the MVP of the team or in contention. And Pete Alonso, 75 plate appearances, 65 at bats. So I guess he was, wa- he, I guess he walked a ton. So 10 walks. I mean, let's just run down the stat line. 431 average. Wow. 507 on base percentage. That's insane. Over half the time he's getting on base. Slugging over 1,000. OPS 1.5. I mean, that's crazy. So I think Pete Alonso should personally be the Mets MVP, in my opinion. I think he could have a legitimate case for MVP of the season, batting 431 and a 507 OBP. And the ribbies, 20 ribbies on the year. That's the, that's the most on the Mets. So I think you're looking at the, the pitching of the year for the Mets. It's going to be... Morton, and if we're looking at the hitter, it's going to be Pete Alonzo. If we go to their uh, relief pitchers now, just looking at relief pitchers, I would say the actually the only guy that stands out is Seth Lugo, and he did he did okay best. So I don't think it's fair for me. It looks like the Mets relied heavily on their starters. I don't think it's fair for me to give the Mets really a shout out in their relief pitching. Just have just not really there for the team. Moving on to the uh, to the Padres now. I'm gonna skip over the the, Met, uh, the Phillies and Brewers just because of circumstances with the owners and we all know collective bargaining can really hurt a hurt a franchise. Anyway, so looking at the rotation for the Padres here, starting pitching wise, Chris Paddock not the best year. Five ERA, zero and two. You feel for the guy. Patrick Corbin on the other hand, and by the way, with pitchers, I'm gonna do for starters. It's gonna be. Um, one or for pitchers in general, it's going to be one inning for every two games played. So the pitcher's got to have a minimum 12 innings pitched for me to consider him for any sort of award or anything like that, or just my personal opinion. Patrick Corbin may be the heart and soul of this team. It was a trade that the Padres did early, and I think both teams benefited from it in their own way. The Padres relied heavily on Patrick Corbin, throwing 22.1 innings pitched with a two ERA. He did get a win on the year, but 28 strikeouts and 22.1 innings pitched, only four walks. Uh, I'm looking at the rest of the rota- the staff, not impressive, but Corbin definitely won 
the, uh, the the Padres games. I mean, no question. He was probably single-handedly the reason they won some of these close games that they won. Garrett Richards had an okay year, 3RA. And, uh, and uh, that was their other good starter. Lucchese didn't get much work, so I can't mention him. Richards only had 17 innings pitched for a starter. That's a little low. But a 3RA, just to note, that's not bad. And uh, he, did, he just wasn't a strikeout guy. So best pitcher on the team got to be Corbin. If we look at the relief pitchers now... The only guy that could really stand out to me is is uh, Jose Castillo. Nine innings pitched, one ERA. That's pretty impressive. Three and one record, so he was closing the door for the team. Shout out Jose Castillo. And honestly, I don't even think he's. I might be thinking of someone else. I don't know. He might be somewhere else now, Castillo. I think I think I'm thinking of a different one though. Uh, if we look at their their position players now, if we go to that, give me one second, guys. The best position player on the Padres, I mean, there's a couple guys to note. This team was top to bottom, just full of guys who could hit the ball well. I mean, all guys in the 300s, pretty much. Right now, I mean, Pujols had a high average of 432, but he didn't quite meet my criteria for plate appearances. He wasn't really getting that many at-bats for the team. It looks like the, uh, it looks like the Padres did a lot of rotational work with their players. I think there's one guy to highlight, though. I would probably give it to uh, Eric Hosmer had a good year. Um, you look at Eric Hosmer. He didn't quite meet the criteria, but he did have close, so I'm going to give it to him. He had 20 ribbies, uh, and he batted a 387 with a 441 OBP, 774 slugging, 1.215 OPS. I mean, Hosmer brought in runs. 20 RBIs for one player in, in a 24-game season is very impressive. He batted well. Uh, he had a lot of hits. Six home runs. I mean, but the Padres weren't a home run hitting team. That's just impressive. I think another guy for me to shout out would be Tommy Pham, batting 333 on the year. Uh, he has a 375 OBP. I mean, these are numbers that jump out. It looks like the Padres just had so much balance. It's hard to say one guy who stood out. But when I see this 20 RBI number, the next closest guy on the Padres is 13. So I think I'm going to give it to Eric Hosmer, especially for a guy batting 387 as well. I think I'm going to give it to Eric Hosmer as the team's... I think Patrick Corbin's a team MVP, but if you want to talk about the team's silver slugger, it's going to go to Eric Hosmer, the best hitter on that team. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Rays, this team's going to be hard. They had a lot of top-to-bottom good hitters, but we're going to start with their pitching first. That's right, Diego Castillo. Is that a different one? Give me one second, guys. I'm just curious about something here. Okay, sorry. There was two Castillos that were pitchers but one's Diego one is Jose that's where I got confused um so we look at the starting pitching for the Rays and this was a team that just did not rely on their starters I mean not good starting production the only guy to mention is Blake Snell 19 innings pitched 3-0 the 2 ERA not a bad year for the guy actually a really good pitching year for him uh he had four games played for the Rays and hey he was 3-0 and he got a no decision another one so uh, that's a good note to mention Blake Snell, but I'm going to have to give pitcher of the year to, no, or for the Rays pitcher of the year, probably pitcher there for the whole league, to Diego Castillo. 14.2 innings pitched. He played in 10 games. 10 games in relief is crazy in a 24-game season. He was seen a lot. 14.2 innings pitched, 2-0 record, 2 save, 0 ERA, no walks. I mean, come on. You, got, you just got to give the guy credit for where it's due. I mean, we all know Diego Castillo was going to be good. And it's really due to his high fastball. He's got a fast sinker, and he's got a lot of break on that slider. He's a tough guy to hit. You don't want to see him come out of the pen. Come playoff time, he's probably going to be their workhorse in that bullpen. Uh, no one else really came close in terms of production. 
Uh, another guy to mention that was pretty good that came over was Batanzas, but he just didn't get a lot of production. So I'm saying Diego Castillo is the guy. Uh, that's the best pitcher on the Rays, no question. If we go now to the Rays position players, I mean, shout out to Kevin Kiermeyer, the man. He didn't bat at the hottest in terms of average, but he did have six home runs, and he was a leadoff guy, so only nine ribbies, but he was getting on base seven doubles. I mean, and he just meets the criteria, 72 at-bats for the team. Uh, I mean, his slugging was high. For a guy who's batting 278, 653 slugging. But in terms of defense, Kevin Kiermeyer, of course, was a guy that you just got to be like, wow, he saved so many runs. A lot of web gems out there. Crazy. But if I'm looking at player of the year for the Rays in terms of, or in terms of their silver slugger, I think it's only fair to go with Brandon Lowe. He had 11 home runs on the year, 18 RBIs. He batted 412 with a 956 slugging, 452 on base. I mean, personally speaking, I think you have to give it to Brandon Lowe. You just, I, I don't see no reason not to. 11 dingers and 18 RBIs is pretty damn good production. Another shout out to Austin Meadows, who also had 18 ribbies, but only six homers. <clears throat> Tatis had a good year with 16 RBIs, eight home runs, batting 429. But I think the, the best hitter award is going to go to Brandon Lowe. And of course, shout out Kevin Kiermeyer for his defensive production. Moving on to the Twins now. This is a team that had a lot of pop in the bat, but couldn't get it done pitching-wise. If we go to the Rays starting pitchers, I mean, just not good throughout the board. The, the, the Sorry, not the Rays, the Twins. If you go to the Twins starting pitching, not good throughout. But where they, I guess where they excelled would be the relief pitching. Uh, honorable mention to um, Tyler Clippard. 13 innings pitch, 2-0 record, 3 ERA. But at 13 innings, he had 17 strikeouts. So Tyler Clippard was getting men to miss. And no question, it's due to his break on his pitches. Trevor May, 13.1 innings pitch, 3 ERA. So these guys are workhorses in the pen. Uh, good, year out of the, good year out of the Twins' bullpen for the most part. Other than that, not too much to note from the pitching side of the Twins. And of course, where they excelled was their bats. Uh, they were tough to play because they would put a lot of runs on the board. You really had to beat them through good offense yourself. First guy to mention that came over was G-Man Choi. I mean, 18 RBIs on the year. Amazing for him batting 387. Had eight home runs. I mean, G-Man Choi could be the team's best hitter, as crazy as that sounds. But when I look at a guy that really was the best hitter, no, I mean, there's other guys to mention. Uh, Nelson Cruz had 20 RBIs and nine home runs. Batted 343. Jorge Polanco batted 384. But the hitter of the year on this team is probably going to be no surprise to guys who know the Twins well. It's Eddie Rosario. Nine home runs on the year, 18 RBIs, batted 472, 944 slugging, 479 OBP, and he got he meets the requirements, 73 plate appearances. Uh, so I'm thinking I'm going to give it to Eddie Rosario for the team's best hitter, uh, the team's best player. I'd give it to Eddie Rosario, no question. Going to the Angels now. Uh, the Angels are a team that relied heavily on one pitcher. We all know who this is. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. That's going to be Shohei Otani. Outside of Shohei, they did not have too much success in their starting pitching, but Shohei threw 30.1 innings pitch. He had a 1-2 and two record, a 2 ERA, 34 strikeouts on the, on the board for him in just 30 innings of work. So he was well over that. Uh, the, he was well into that K-9 mark whatever you want to call it. Um, just show high, no question, just a dominant pitcher. He only walked 
nine batters on the year, so not bad. I mean, Shohei Otani could be the team's MVP. Uh, we've only had one pitching MVP so far, and that was um, to Patrick Corbin of the Padres. I could have gave it to Castillo for the Rays, but I think I'm going to give it to Brandon Lowe as the team's MVP personally. Uh, Kiermaier's up there too in terms of defensive production, but I didn't see it in terms of hitting. I didn't 278 average in this league. Uh, doesn't get done for MVP in my opinion. So Brandon Lowe would be the Rays MVP. Twins MVP, of course, Rosario. Um, what else? All right, now we're going to jump into the the Angels relief pitching. Uh, they didn't get too much production out of the relief pen. They had a lot of balance in the relievers, but not too good of work. Not no one to really mention. I mean, Bed Rosing was okay for him, but didn't get a lot of produ- didn't get a lot of innings. Only seven innings, so I can't really highlight him. Unfortunately, moving on to the team's position play, the Angels crushed you with the bats, no question. Uh, one guy I personally faced was Brian Dozier. Always he came over to Padres trade. Brian Dozier took me yard twice in three games. So I mean, shout out to Brian Dozier just smacking me around. But there's no, I mean, I think most of us know who the team MVP could be, but there's a lot of guys out here who really have a case for themselves. Tommy Lastella batted 452 with a 493 OBP and a 935 slugging. 16 ribbies, 7 home runs, not bad. Trout is where the team stands out the most. 11 home runs, most on the team, 20 RBIs. 14, uh, he struck out 14 times, unfortunately, but he had a 348 average, 411 OBP. He had 7 walks. He could get on base. He could do damage, Trout. It's one guy for me to look at. He had 17 runs scored for the team. That's good production to note. Some other guys to highlight, I guess, Angleton Simmons had a good year, 419. But I think the team's best hitter's got to go to Mike Trout as of right now. Uh, but the team MVP, no question, in my opinion, is Shohei Otani. Had an amazing year. No one wanted to face him. Pitched very well for the Angels. Moving to the Rangers now. There's not going to be many pitching, not many good pitchers to highlight on this team. This team did it more with their bats, but a good starter to note was Corey Kluber. Had a very, very good year for them. 30.2 innings pitched. Unfortunately, had a 1-2 and two record, but a 3 ERA, 19 strikeouts on the year. Only walked three guys. You got to admire that he only walked three guys in 30.2 innings pitched. Shout out to Corey Kluber for having a good season. As well, Kyle Gibson had a good year. 22.1 innings pitched, 1-1 one one record, 3 ERA. He had, a, uh, he had 10 strikeouts, so not total, but only two walks given up. Uh, so Kyle Gibson and Corey Kluber, shout out to two good years. I don't think these two guys are going to be at the team MVP by any means, though. No really good relievers to highlight on the on the Rangers side. It seems like they relied heavily on their starters. Position-wise, there's a couple guys to note. Uh, the first guy I'd like to mention is Shinsu Chu. Uh, absolutely mashed the ball. He doesn't quite meet my, my requirements for uh, plate appearances, but he's very close, so I'll put him in the mix. Nine home runs, 20 RBIs. I mean, those are good stats for any player in the league. Willie Calhoun had 11 home runs, 21 RBIs. Andrews had 18 RBIs on the year. These guys could get people home. But, of course, we all know who the team MVP is going to be. That's Ronald Guzman. Everyone's been paying attention to him all year. 12 home runs. I believe that's a league-leading 12 home runs. 25 RBIs on the season. I mean, the dude, and yet he meets the requirements. 73 plate appearances. The dude could mash the cover off the ball. 375 average, 384 OBP, batting a uh, thousand slugging. I mean, Ronald Guzman was the dude you just, you just didn't want to see. You know, he just he. I mean, 12 home runs in 24 games. Guess what? Every other game he was he was taking a yard. That's a run given up. You could not stop the guy. Could not stop the guy. I mean, 
that's got to be my team MVP is Ronald Guzman and could even be a silver slugger for the year and even an MVP for the year with, those, with, with 25 RBIs and 12 home runs just jumping at your eyes. Last team, the highlights, the Nationals. This is a team that was very well balanced like the Padres did it with their pitching. Uh, had pretty good position players in terms of average, um, but they did not have too much of a long ball game. We'll start with the starters. Scherzer had a rough year. Strasburg didn't have a great year. And outside of that, there isn't really one in the highlight. This team relied more on the relievers. A lot of their starters in the 5 and 6 ERA mark. Uh, Anibal Sanchez did okay for when he needed to. But this team's relievers is where it really stands out. Will Harris had an amazing year. 11.2 innings pitched for the, for the Nationals. A 1 ERA. He was 2-0 with 1 save. Uh, I mean, just a good just a good pitcher in general. 7 strikeouts, but he did have 4 walks. But a 1 ERA and 11.2 innings pitched, that's a good highlight to have. He pretty much meets my requirement for a minimum of like 12. I'll give it to him, 11.2. But uh, another, good, another good reliever for the Nationals was uh, Austin Voth. He was 4-1 in relief. So Austin Voth came in, did a lot of dirty work. 14.2 innings pitched, 3 ERA and 11 strikeouts. Not bad from Voth. Hard guy to see. And uh, Wander Swear, another shout-out, too. He had a good year as well. Going to the position players for the Nationals, I don't think any pitchers will get team MVP, but there are some guys you definitely got to highlight when you look at it. Uh, Trey Turner, as a lead-off guy, had 15 RBIs on the year. That's impressive to me. He batted 378, 410 OBP, 649 slugging. Uh, he scored 16 runs for the team and hit 15 RBIs, had a couple home runs with three. Uh, as a lead-off guy to get 15 RBIs, that's very impressive. Uh, Juan Soto had a good year. He batted 338. He had eight home runs, 16 RBIs, another good production player. But I think the team's MVP is going to be a guy who came over in a trade with the Padres, and that's going to be Hunter Renfro. 10, 10 home runs, 22 RBIs. 22 is up there with the most on the season for a lot of teams. Uh, and he scored 15 runs on his own. 22 ribbies. He batted 400 for the boys. <clears throat> he, he slugged 967. So I'm thinking if you got to look for a team MVP, it's probably Hunter Renfro. Just through his RBI production and his run scoring production. Um, congrats to Hunter Renfro for a great season. Congrats to all the guys I mentioned. And now I'm going to dive into what I think league MVPs could be. Uh, I think the first guy I'd like to mention in terms of league MVP would have to be um, Pete Alonso. I mean, when I looked at his numbers, I mean... Well over 1,000 slugging, 507 OBP, 431 average, 10 homers, 20 RBIs. He scored 18 runs. I think Pete Alonso personally has to get a a mention for player of the year, uh, or for for MVP of the season. I'm going to say Pete Alonso jumps out to me as one. Uh, Another player for player of the year, or for, sorry, I keep saying player of the year, for MVP. If I look to the Padres, I'd have to say Patrick Corbin. Gets my gets my vote for a MVP of the season. Definitely a Cy Young. Um, Patrick Corbin just just as a starter just was dominant for the just like Shohei Otani just dominant. Uh, I look at the 28 strikeouts in 2020's pitch. That's very impressive. Um, so I think Patrick Corbin probably gets my vote from the Padres for uh, an MVP of the season. The Rays I'd have to give it to Diego Castillo. I mean, if a relief pitcher ever did get MVP. Diego Castillo is, is got to be on that board. As well, I'd say Brandon Lowe would be another MVP for me from the Rays. Looking at the Twins now, uh, I would have to say Rosario would be my MVP from that team in terms of MVP of the season. 
Uh, I think you could. I think if I had to narrow the list to five guys for MVP of the year, I'm probably looking at Shohei Otani. I'm looking at Brandon Lowe. I'm looking at Pete Alonso. I'm looking at Patrick Corbin, and I'm looking at Ronald Guzman. Those are probably my five guys for MVP of the season. If we're just talking, no Cy Young awards, nothing else, just MVP. Shohei, Corbin, Pete Alonso, Brandon Lowe, and Rosario. Uh, I would, I would say you could put Trout in that conversation, but. Uh, it's just hard for me to say I would put Trout over Pete Alonso. I just can't do it in terms of the numbers. Um, and I don't, and I think Shohei Otani is more of a fair, like more of a safer choice. Definitely had a better season than Trout did. Uh, and on the Rangers, I mean, Guzman just mashed the ball. He leads leading in home runs and ribbies. I have to put him on that list for MVP. Corbin had an amazing year. There's a lot of other guys you could throw on this list based off of average alone, but unfortunately, I'm not taking that into account. I, I think Hunter Renfro deserves a good shout out. Uh, I really think he does. I think a lot of guys. I think, I think a lot of guys in the Twins deserve a shout out. I mean, you know, from top to bottom, there's there's dudes you could choose. But if I if I'm locking in my MVP votes today, if I had to give my top five, it's Shohei, it's Corbin, it's Guzman. It's Brandon Lowe. And it's Alonzo. Did I say Alonzo already? Shohei, Corbin, Alonzo, Guzman, and Brandon Lowe. Those are my guys. Uh, I think there's... The, and I, I think a very honorable mention to Rosario as well. Another amazing player. And of course, like I said, Diego Castillo. I mean, God, what a year. But when I look at Brandon Lowe's numbers, I just... I, I mean, he scored 19 times for the team. You know, he had 11 home runs, 18 RBIs. He batted really well, got on base, slugging was high. So those are my guys. I think that's going to wrap up the episode. We're sitting at the 30-minute mark here. Another great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, and there's going to be more to come. We're looking forward to playoff baseball. Have a good one.